You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. I wonder if any of you have ever been done dirty. Have you ever been hurt deeply? Has anyone ever said something about you that you wanted to say something about them in return? Maybe someone's unkind actions have wounded you deeply and you just want to get even. Maybe your motto is, hurt me once. (laughs) Shame on you, hurt me twice, shame on me. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back twice as hard. I I wonder if anyone has ever wounded you with their words and you just want it to lash back out. Maybe you felt justified. Maybe you felt like you had a right. Maybe you just wanted to set the record straight. Maybe you just wanted to defend your name. Maybe gossip. Maybe malice. Maybe jealousy. Maybe just someone being cruel. I I wonder if you've ever been there. The the writer of the psalm, I believe, has been there. And I I believe that's what he's writing about. And and you might beg to differ as you read it. But as I meditated on this word the last couple weeks, I really feel like that's where he's at. So let's begin to just read in Psalm 39. And and I I just would ask that you just breathe a word of prayer and just say, Lord, open up my heart to this. Speak directly into the wounds of my heart, into the pain of my heart, and bring clarity and bring understanding. Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hard within me, was hot within me, while I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely, every man is a vapor. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. 
Remove your gaze from me, that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. I want to just teach you tonight. I'm not going to preach. I'm going to teach. And, and so just stay with me as we go straight down through this psalm. I'm just amazed at God's Word and how no matter where you're at in life, He can speak directly to your need. And, and that's what He did for me in this psalm. And I want you to look at verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways. That word said, it means to speak to myself. The, the psalmist is saying, I've got to speak to myself. I've I got to speak to my soul. Can I just tell you, sometimes we have to speak to our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, especially uh, women. Can I just speak to you for a moment? Sometimes we need to speak to our emotions. The psalmist says, I, I said to myself, and, and it means to say in one's heart. One commentator says it means to, to be resolved. It means a steady determination. I, have been, I am resolved. I, I am determined that I am going to guard my ways, he said. And that word guard, it means to keep guard. It means to give heed to. It means to keep within bounds. It's a picture of living a life of watchfulness over your emotions, over your thoughts, over your mouth, over the way you're living. He says, I, I, I am resolved, I'm determined that I'm going to, to be watchful over my actions, be watchful over the way I'm living. I'm going to put a guard over my actions. He says, I will restrain, he says, lest I sin with my tongue. And, and that word sin, you know it means to miss the mark, but it also means to bring guilt or condemnation. I am not going to say something when I'm in the presence of someone who's done me dirty. I am not going to sin with my tongue. I'm not going to get back just for the sake of getting back. I'm not going to leave that conversation wishing I hadn't said that, filled with guilt and condemnation, just because I want it to get even or lash out. I have made up my mind, I'm going to resolve, no matter how you treat me, no matter what you say to me, no matter who I'm living with or what I have to endure in my own home, I have resolved that I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I don't want to say something I can't take back. Do you know that our words are like toothpaste? If, if I had a tube of toothpaste up here and I squeezed it out, I could not put that back into the tube. And that's our words. You know, once they're out, we can't take them back. Flip over to James chapter 3. James, it's right after Hebrews. Uh, if you get to, uh, to Hebrews, just go to the next chapter over. James chapter 3, James talks to us about our tongue. In verse 3 it says, We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and a creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father. Oh, this grieves me. 
With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the same image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and curses, my brethren, this should not be. When I was born and I was raised in Pennsylvania, we had horses, and, and I loved it. I loved to go horseback riding. We had a stallion, and, and, and we had uh, two other horses, but the stallion was a wild, he was a wild horse. He only let a few people ride him, and I was one of them, and, and he just, he was unruly. Can I just tell you, he was a big horse, and, 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 and I would climb on top of him, saddle him, and climb on top of him, and we would put a bridle in his mouth, and, and even though he was a fierce horse, and even though he was very large, and, and could eat easily have just taken off and, and I would have had no control over him. Somehow when we put that bridle in his mouth, we could direct him, we could tame him, we could make him do what we wanted him to do. And the picture James is drawing here is he's saying we need to learn to bridle our tongue. A ship, even though the winds come and blow it whatever way, it is controlled by the rudder. The rudder can control that big old ship regardless of what atmosphere is going on around it. And can I tell you, no matter what atmosphere is happening around you, no matter what you're living in, no matter what's surrounding you, no matter how much people are hurting you or what they're saying about you or trying to ruin your reputation, can I just tell you, you and I can control this tongue. We do not have to lash back. We don't have to lower ourselves to their level. We don't have to be mean because they're being mean. We can love as long, the Bible says, I think it's Galatians 6.10, whenever you have the opportunity to do good, do it. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Who cares what they're doing? Let them be miserable because they will. They will be miserable. Do you understand that? Do not lower yourself to that level. Do not become like them. As much as it depends on you, live at peace. Whenever you have the opportunity to do good, you do it. Don't you let somebody make you uh, go to that level. Guard your ways. Resolve in your mind. Yet tonight before you leave here, I will resolve in my mind. I will be determined to guard my ways because I am not going to sin with my tongue. He says, I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I, we have a dog and he barks like crazy. And, 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 and often I've wanted to get a big old muzzle and just put on his snout so that he could not bark. The psalmist is saying, I'll restrain my mouth. That word restrain is the same word as guard. I, I'm, I'm going to guard my mouth with a muzzle. I, I'm going to make sure I don't open it. I am gonna, I'm going to muzzle my mouth when the wicked are before me. And I want you to look at that word wicked because it's so good. And that, that word wicked, it means uh, wicked, it means criminal, it means a guilty one. But this is what I love. It means guilty of sin against men. I wonder if you have anybody in your life who has sinned against you who's done you dirty, who's hurt you deeply, who's wounded you, who's maybe said some things about you and it got back to you. That's what that word wicked is. Somebody who's guilty of, of wounding a man. I've resolved. I am determined. 
that I'm going to guard my ways. I am not lowering myself to that level. I'm going to put a big old muzzle on my lips. I'm going to restrain my tongue so that I don't sin. I don't want it's not about them. It's about me sinning. I'm not going to let that stuff in my life because it is a poison. And I am not going to let this tongue. Eh? The Bible says that this tongue is, is, is a restless evil and it's full of deadly poison. But you and I, can I tell you, we are fasting right now. We're in the middle of a 21-day fast. And the reason that's so important important to me to do with you every year is because in fasting we learn that we can say no to the flesh. Oh, can I tell you, I wanted McDonald's. I drove by McDonald's tonight. I don't even like McDonald's, can I tell you? But I drove by tonight and the, the, the grease, the french fries, like came into my car and I'm like, I want french fries. And then I said to my flesh, you're not getting french fries. I can say no. I can keep driving. I'm learning to say no to my flesh. And can I tell you, your tongue, my tongue, is a restless evil and it's full of deadly poison, but I can restrain it. I am learning to restrain my flesh. Someone can stand in front of me and be nasty and unkind, but I can learn that I can guard my ways, that I can restrain my tongue and not sin with it. I restrain my tongue while the wicked are before me. I, I love that, that passage in James because it says it, that, the, that the tongue, it, it's like a fire. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Do you understand that you can destroy in a moment what you've taken years to build with this tongue? A marriage. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Now, women, let me just talk to you for a moment. Uh, I, I'm just telling you that, that we have the power right here in our mouth. We have the power of life and death, blessing and curses. Uh, women, we have got to start building up our men, not tearing them down. I was talking to the team last night, and Karen said, Rhea, you've got you to share this. I, I was talking to you last night or last week about delighting, taking pleasure in the Word of God and, and how that's where we have to get where we delight. And I said, you, whatever you delight in, whatever you take pleasure in, you will spend time with. And I said, for me, as a woman, I, I want my man, I, I, I want him to delight in me. Can I tell you, women, if your man is not delighting in you, uh, the secretary at work will make sure he delights in her. And so for me, it's how can I get that man to delight in me? I want him to want to come home to me. Can I just tell you, women, we have got to start building up those men, not tearing them down, not using this, not using this. To tear them down. A wise woman builds her house. A foolish one tears it down with her very own mouth, I believe. We can, with this mouth, set the whole course of one's life on fire. He said, I'm going to muzzle my mouth while the wicked are before me. I love that, that word wicked. I told you it means one who's guilty of sin against man. But it comes from the root to act wickedly. To make a noise to agitate, to cause commotion, to cause a disturbance. Oh, I love this. To have an unrighteous cause. I wonder if anybody has ever done that to you. If they caused turmoil in your life, if they caused a disturbance in your life, if they agitated and, and they just acted wickedly towards you, will you resolve? Will you be determined to guard your ways? 
to put a muzzle in your mouth so that you don't sin when they're in your presence. Verse 2 says, I was mute with silence. And that word silence is so interesting. It doesn't just mean I'm going to sit here quietly and I'm going to play stupid. It doesn't mean I'm just going to take what they're doing to me. It doesn't mean I'm going to be a doormat for them. Do you know that that word silence, it's so good, it means a silent expectation of divine aid. The silent expectation of divine aid. It means confidence placed in God. I'm going to resolve to guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I'm going to restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. And I'm going to sit just waiting, knowing that my God is going to show up, that divine aid is coming, that he is going to right my wrongs, that he is going to be my advocate, that he's going to be my very present help in times of trouble, that, that he is the one who stands with me. And if God be for me, who in their right mind could be against me? Can I tell you, and I say this with all confidence. Leslie, do I say this with all confidence? You do not want to be against me. You don't. I'm just telling you right now. Because I get this. I get this. If God be for me, who can be against me? I won't come at you with my mouth. I'll come at you with my God. Because I trust him to do what he says he'll do. And he says that I can have confident expectation of his aid when I resolve and men determine to guard my ways and not sin with my tongue and keep a muzzle and just wait for him to act on my behalf. He says, I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred up. Now I really want you to just let that sink in. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred up. That word sorrow means pain. It means mental and physical pain. Uh, have you ever been in a place where somebody has done you dirty? Where somebody has hurt you, maybe with their words, maybe with their action, or, or maybe somebody who has just been unkind to you? And you, you know, I know you are far more spiritual than I am, but, but have you ever laid awake at night and replayed it? I can't believe they said this. And uh, can you believe that they did that? And, and when I see them, I'm going to say this. And, and have you ever just replayed it over and over and over in your head? You know, let it rob you of sleep. And I know that you don't do that, but I'm just going to tell you that sometimes I do. And, and, and the mental anguish that that causes. I held my peace even from good. I really like the Amplified here. It, it says... I was dumb with silence. I held my peace without profit and had no comfort away from good while my distress was renewed. And, and, and as I meditated on that this past week, uh, here's what I think happened. I kept my tongue even from good while I was meditating on this, while I was thinking on this. I kept my tongue even from good and so I had no comfort and my distress was renewed inside of me. Do you see it? You see, when I'm meditating, when I'm musing on, on what they did to me and how much it hurt and pity me, and I can't believe you said that, did, do you understand the mental energy that that takes? And I'm spending all my energy thinking about that and investing in that instead of going out and being good and doing good. 
Do you know that somehow when you just do good, I, I'm just going to tell you, today I, I, I love Pete's Coffee, and today I, I went to Pete's Coffee, and, and I've been going there. It's my new restaurant that, that I just, I'm telling you everywhere I go. I said to Les today, everywhere I go, I just try to do good. Are you with me? And I try to just be kind. It's amazing what kindness will do. And, and so Pete's is my new restaurant, and, and so they know me. And today I pull up, and I, I place my order, and before I ever got to the, the, the window, they, they knew it was me. And, and so so I come to the window and they have a blueberry muffin. Now remember, I'm fasting. And they're like, Rhea, good morning. Do you want a blueberry muffin on the house? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but Leslie was on the phone with me when they did that. And, and <laughs> not that I would have taken it if she wasn't. <laughs> But, but she said, Rhea, everywhere you go, you do that. And it just hit me how much a little kindness, a little good, just makes somebody's day. And we have the opportunity to do that everywhere we go. We spread the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. It's such a little thing to be kind. It's such a little thing to be good. Just... Just greet somebody. Karen does this so well. Just greet somebody. Just be kind to somebody. And he's saying, you know, I held my peace even from good. I was so consumed with what they did to me and how nasty they were. I couldn't even be good. I was just so focused on that that I couldn't even be good. And no wonder my distress multiplied. Because there's just something that lifts. when you. Because see, I believe the Bible's very clear here. That what we sow, we reap. We see it all through the Word of God. Do you know that? That what you sow, you reap. See, that's why I don't ever worry about how people treat me. Oh, baby, because what they sow, they'll reap. What comes around, I promise you, goes around. If you're here tonight and you're a gossip, can I just tell you, be very careful. What you sow, precious one, you will reap. You might be enjoying the juicy gossip about somebody right now, but I promise you that you're going to be the object of that gossip sometime. I've resolved to keep a muzzle over my mouth, lest I sin with it. But I believe that what you sow, you reap. You sow some goodness, you're going to reap it. It's going to rise up in you. It's going to, the, the burdens are going to start lifting. The distress is going to start lifting. But he said, I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred up in me. My mental anguish, my, my pain was stirred up in me. He said, my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. My heart was was hot within me. We've talked about this a zillion times. The heart is the mind, the will, the emotions. Our emotions were hot within us. And, and, and it's interesting that that word also means thinking. It means reflection. It means memory. 
my heart, my, as, I, as I reflected on what they did, as I replayed what they did, as I meditated on what they did and brought it back to my memory, my, my heart was hot within me. I got angrier and angrier and angrier. I, my, my sweet husband, can I just tell you, I will often say to him, Davey, why doesn't that make you mad? Why didn't you just go tell them a thing or two? He is one of the most gentle men you will ever meet in your whole entire life. I, I don't think, Kendall, have you? I, she, my, my daughter's sitting in the front row. She will tell you, I'm not sure we've ever heard him even raise his voice. He's the most gentle man there is. And sometimes I just get mad for him. I'd be like, you need to tell them a thing or two. Stick up for yourself. And he'll say to me, Rhea, I only have so much emotional energy. And it's not worth what it would take to go there. I need to use that energy someplace else. Psalmist says, while I was musing, while I was thinking this over, while I was reflecting on this, while I was using all my emotional energy on what they did to me, it just grew hot within me. I got angrier and angrier and angrier. Spurgeon says, the friction of inward thoughts produce intense mental heat. What should we do? We need to get a new thought. We need to focus on... At what we're meditating on. We need to be purposeful about what we're musing on. What we're thinking on. He says, while I was musing, that word muse, it comes from the root word to meditate. It's what we talked about last week. It, 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 that word meditate means it's like a dog with a bone. I got this and I'm not letting go of it means to chew on over and over. Some of us, I'm just going to tell you, somebody does us dirty, somebody hurts us deeply. It might have been 30 years ago, but we are still spending our emotional energy uh, musing on it, meditating on it, chewing on it. We are like a dog with a bone. I am not going to let go of this thing until they pay. While I was musing, the fire burned. I love this. This is so good. Stay with me. Gwen, you're going to love this. That word burned means kindled. Anybody camp besides me? Any Boy Scouts? What do you do with kindling? See, when I start a fire, I just throw that big old log there and I try to light it with, you know, maybe a piece of paper, newspaper. What happens? It goes right out. It smothers it. But you have to get some kindling. Dave is so good, he builds a little tent with sticks, and then he puts a little paper in there, and he gets real thin little pieces of wood, and he lights them, and that thing just starts to burn. And then very slowly, he puts wood on top of it. But you need kindling. See, kindling keeps the fire burning. And when the fire is about to go out, he doesn't go get a big log and throw it back on it because it will smolder it. It will make it go out. It will smother the flame. Instead, what he does is he goes and gets some more kindling and puts it in the fire. And it builds that fire. It makes it start burning again. And what he's saying is, when I, when I, while I was musing, the fire burned. It kindled it. The more I meditated on it, the more I gave it real estate in my mind, the more I spent time thinking about what they did to me, the fire burned. It kindled it within me. Can I just tell you, put that thing out. Throw a log on the thing. Do you know what the log is? The cross of Calvary. Forgive because he has forgiven you. Love because he loves you. Throw that log, that big old honking log, 
the cross of Calvary on that fire and put it out. I love when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they had bitter water. What, what did God tell them to do? Somebody put a, put a log in it. It's a picture of throwing the cross of Calvary in and it turned the bitter water sweet. He says, while I mused, while I meditated on it, the fire burned within me. And then I spoke with my tongue. Notice, he didn't speak to the person. Who did he speak to? First he spoke to himself, and then he spoke to God. He said, Lord, I want to just stop there and tell you what Lord we're talking about. What name of God he's using there. Lord, he says, I am. That's the great I am. Everything you have need of, I'll be for you. You see, if you really believed that, you wouldn't have to get even. You wouldn't have to even the score. You wouldn't have to lash out because you'd be able to say, I believe you're the great I am. Everything I have need of, you'll be for me. I need an advocate. You say I am. I need a deliverer. You say I am. I need a judge here. You'll, you'll be, you say I am. He says, Lord, I am. I'm talking to the I am. Everything I have need of, I'm running to the I am. And I'm saying, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths. Do you know what a handbreadth is? It's four, four fingers. It's the width of four fingers. That's our day. You've made my day like a handbreadth. My age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state, at his best state, oh, can I tell you, at your best state, precious one, you are a vapor. I am a vapor. I'm a puff of, of steam. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. I want to just stop there. He's saying, God, help me to, to number my days. Help me to know how frail I am. Help me to know that at my best I'm but a vapor. This life is short. Can I tell you? It is short at the very most. It's too short to get bogged down with what happened to you 30 years ago. It's too short to get bogged down with what happened to you last week. It's too short to get bogged down and bitter and angry and muse over what happened to you last night or maybe yet tonight. It's too short. I, don't, I ain't got no time for that. I'm just going to tell you. I don't have time for it. You are not going to spend my emotional energy on that when this world is dying and going to hell and we have a mission. We have a kingdom to advance. We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ that needs to go forward. What are we doing spending time on that kind of garbage? I will resolve. I will resolve. I'll be determined that I am going to guard my way. You are not going to cause me to behave like that. While the wicked are before me, I'm running to I am. I'm going to say, Lord, you got that. Help me to be busy with what you've called me to do. Here's what I love. Verse 5 says, or verse 6, Surely they busy themselves in vain. Do you know what that means? Make an uproar for nothing. <laughs> oh, I just don't love that. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. Next time somebody's nasty to you, next time somebody's gossiping about you, next time somebody says something nasty to you, just smile and think, surely they make an uproar for nothing. 
Look at the next verse. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Here's what's so interesting to me. That word heaps up, there is no riches in the original language. In most of your Bibles, it will be italicized. That means it's not there in the original language. It just means he heaps up, he stores up. (laughs) I love it because I don't think it has anything to do with riches. It might because he's talking about the brevity of life. He's, He's talking about how short life is. He's bringing everything into perspective, saying, you know what, my life is short. I don't have time for this. Let's bring it all into perspective. That person who just did me dirty, their life is short. I'm going to trust God to deal with them. And so it might be that he's saying they heap up riches and, and they don't know who's going to gather them. They're wasting their life trying to get rich. It's not getting them anywhere. Their life is short. They need to focus on what really matters. It might be that he's saying that. But that word riches is not in the original language. It means he heaps up. He stores up. He piles on. Remember, he's talking about the wicked. Have you ever been around somebody that just heaps it up? Every time you talk to them, they've got something negative to say. They pile on the gossip. They pile on the critical spirit. They pile on the judgment. (laughs) And and that word gather, they they don't know who will gather it up. It means to be brought into, to, to gather an individual into the company of others. Oh, here's my pet peeve. People who go around spending all their energy. Do you know what so and so did? And you know what I heard about her? And I wouldn't mess with him. I would not be around him if I were you. And they start gathering their little cliques and their little groups. Are, are you with me? Oh, can I just tell you? Surely they make an uproar for nothing. And they can pile on and they can heap on and they can rock on with their bad self as far as I'm concerned. But they can gather everybody they want against you. But I know that divine aid is coming. I know that the great I am is with me. Now look in verse 7. He says, Lord, I love this. Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. That word Lord is not I am this time. It's Adonai. It, It expresses authority. In other words, Lord, you got the authority. They might think they do. They might think they're all that in a bag of potato chips, but you are Lord. You are Adonai. You are the one with supreme authority. So Lord, I'm coming to you. And what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for you because my hope, my deliverance, my, my, my absolute expectation of good is in you, Lord. In you, Adonai. He says, deliver me from my transgressions. Now, now that just bothers me a little bit. He says, deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. It bothers me because he hasn't transgressed. In fact, he's been purposeful not to. He's keeping a lock over his lips. He's putting a muzzle on his mouth. He's guarding his ways. So now why is he asking God to deliver him from his transgressions? Could it be that he was thinking bad stuff even though he wasn't saying it? Could it be, because you see, we do this sometimes when we're in pain and when we feel unfairly persecuted, when we feel justified and we wonder where God is and why He isn't coming to our defense, sometimes we transgress against Him. Where are you, God? Are you even there? You don't love me. 
Why don't you defend me? I don't know, it could be, except when you look up that word transgression, can I tell you what it means? It means, it means rebellion against individuals. It means to revolt. Deliver me from revolting against what you say is right, Lord. Deliver me from rebellion against individuals. Deliver me from wanting to nail them for what they're doing to me, Lord. He says, deliver me from my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute and did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. You're the one, Lord, who kept my mouth shut. I, we were talking last night at our team meeting. I think it was Karen was saying, and they, she was quoting the scripture about how no temptation has seized you but what is common to man. And when you're tempted, God will always give you a way out. And she said, I've just seen him do that in my life, that, that no matter what I've been doing, and I can be in an uncomfortable situation and I'll say, Lord, I need the way out. And she said, Bria, he always gives it to me. The psalmist is saying, surely I, I was silent before you because you did this. You gave me the way out. You gave me the ability to do that. Can I just tell you, you can stay silent before the wicked. You can stay silent and not rip your husband to shreds. You can stay silent and not be negative to Charlie at work because he's being nasty to you or your boss who makes your life miserable. Because God will give you the power to do that. Here's what I love. Down a little bit further, he says, Surely I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as my fathers were. Do you know what's so cool about that? That word stranger and sojourner, it's a picture of an alien in an area who has no rights. They have no rights. He's saying, Lord, I want to say I have a right to nail them. I have a right to get even. I have a right not to forgive. You see, some of you have a right. You've been done dirty. <laughs> you've been hurt deeply. Maybe, by, maybe you've been dropped by somebody you should have been able to trust to carry you. Maybe somebody who you should have been able to lean on abandoned you. Maybe you should have been able to trust somebody to, to stay and they left you. Maybe the words that were spoken over you all your life by somebody who, who should have been loving and kind has still wounded you deeply today. And you have a right. Lord, look at what they did to me. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to not forgive them. I have a right to demand justice. But precious one, let me say this to you as gently as I can. You're a sojourner. You're a stranger in this land. Oh, I love this. Can I just tell you what I saw this week that just rocked my world? Jesus is, is, is headed to the cross. He's going to be crucified. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. And, and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, I could call, I could call my friends. I don't want to misquote it because it's just so, it's so good. Does, does somebody know where that scripture's at? Because I don't want to misquote it. He says, my kingdom it is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. See, that doesn't really mean a whole lot to you until you understand. He's, what he's saying is, 
My kingdom is not of this world. I, I don't fight the way this world fights. I don't act the way this world acts. My kingdom, my rule is not of this world. Because if it were, I could call my friends and they could nail you. <laughs> but I don't fight that way. Now here's what rocked my world. That's at the end of the chapter. Do you know what happens before that? Judas, one of his disciples. Somebody he's locked arms with. Somebody he's tight with. Somebody he trusted. Betrayed him. Didn't just betray him. He's going to go to the cross and be crucified because of Judas and what he did. Peter, another one of his buddies, <laughs> betrays him not once, not twice, three times. And then he's beaten and he's mocked and he's ridiculed. And, and then here's what I love. He's called into question. They question his relationship with his disciples and they question his doctrine. They question his teaching. I'd want to nail him. I'd be pretty defeated if I were him, but not Jesus. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. You can do whatever you want to me because I don't fight that way. Do you know that in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 10, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature. We don't fight like the world fights. Can I just tell you? We don't do a tit for tat. You said this, I'm going get, to get you back twice as hard. You ruined my reputation, now I'm going to go ruin yours. You said this, so I'm going to give you the silent treatment for six weeks. We don't fight like the world fights, church. Our kingdom is not of this world. That's why people want our Jesus. Because we don't look like them. We're strangers. We're sojourners. We're, we gave up our rights. Our weapons, the Bible says, Angela, they are mighty. They are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. They're mighty to demolish arguments. They are mighty. They're mighty. They've got divine power behind them. Can I tell you what? Oh, I want to stand on that chair so badly. Uh, can I just tell you what? My mouth, I got one. Ask Dave. I've got a mouth. And I used to really take some pride in the fact that I could demolish you with my mouth. <laughs> Trust me. I could still do it if I wanted to. But I'm learning. That my weapons are not carnal in nature. I don't fight the way the world fights. My weapons, they're mighty. They have divine power. Now which one would you sooner have? I might get some temporary satisfaction demolishing you with my mouth. <laughs> but what does it say? Then I'm going to walk away with guilt and condemnation. But if I just sit back and put my hope in the great I am and Adonai, the one who has authority and power, <laughs> watch out. Mess with me. Do you know that you're the apple of God's eye? Do you understand that? He says that you are the apple of God's eye. You are always in the center of his focus. The apple of, your, of God's eye means you, you, the pupil. It means that you're always in the center. He's got his eye on you. And whoever messes with you, the Bible says, whoever touches you, touches the apple of God's eye. 
So we take hope and we confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my help. Whom shall I be afraid? It's a choice, guys. How are we going to respond? How are we going to live? What are we going to spend our emotional energy on? It's a choice. Well, I'm going to tell you what, musing is not any fun. It's not any fun. It takes up too much of my time. Replaying it over and over in my head takes up too much of my time. Thinking about how I can even the score takes up too much of my time. Having to be right takes up way too much of my time. Resting in God. Now that's what I want. It's a place of peace. I I want you to give some thought to the people who have done you dirty in your life. People who have hurt you. People who have disappointed you. People who have wounded you deeply. Now I know you're tough and I I know that you you can probably shrug that stuff off, but for those of you that can't, <laughs> I'm just going to ask you to just do some business with God. And let's leave here this week resolving, being determined that I'm going to look different. I'm going to act different. I'm going to live like the sojourner I am. I'm going to give up my rights to get even, to to lash out, to respond in like manner. And I'm going to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what I read this week? Do you know that gold, the Bible talks over and over about how God refines us as gold. Well, you know how gold is refined. They turn up the heat and and it brings all the dross, all the impurities to the surface and the the goldsmith skims off the dross and then he heats it up again and it's a picture of our life and how he brings trials and he brings tribulations and it heats up our life and and it's because he wants to deal with the dross in our life, the impurities. Can I just tell you, maybe that person that's done you dirty is a gift. I'm starting to look at it that way, Les. I'm starting to look at it. That maybe, just maybe, that person is a gift to me. A gift from God who's going to purge me. Who's using them to heat up my life so that those impurities can come to the surface and he can say, that's getting rid of Rhea. That was just ugly anyway. Do you know that gold in its purest form is pliable? It's moldable. Do you know that that's the kind of life I want? I want him to be able to mold my life. I want to look like him. I want to act like him. And if I've got that garbage in my life, it's going to keep me from it. And so I want him. I want him to heat it up. And I want him to skim it off. Because here's what I learned this week. Do you know that gold, when it is refined, the Bible talks about the streets of gold. (laughs) It's transparent. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Like glass. You know, if I had a piece of glass here, Gwen, and it was all around me, glass was all around me, you'd see the glass, but what would you really see? You'd see it through to me, wouldn't you? You and I are just to be glass, transparent.
transparent. People aren't supposed to see us. They're supposed to see through us to what we, what we hold. <laughs> and they need to behold him in us. And you see, if I can let him purify me, if I can let him get rid of that garbage in my life, <laughs> I'm getting more and more transparent and people see him more and more in me. And that, my friend, is the goal of my life. And so I'm on a resolve. I'm going to be determined. I'm going to let him bring those people to refine me, to get rid of the garbage, to make me look at those things in my life so that I can be more like him. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ. <laughs>